Hello and welcome to Abscond with Ethan Renault, the podcast where I talk about uh, things. Um, today is another lesson from the Bible study I lead with a nursing home. Um, I did not remember to start the recording on time because I didn't, so I started it right after I read the passage of scripture. So I'm just going to read the passage again for you now, and I started it kind of right when we were starting the discussion. So, um, yeah, this is a lesson on Mark 14, 43 through 50, which is, as you'll see, Judas betraying Jesus in the garden and Jesus being arrested. So a quick message for you today. Um, We'll read the passage, move on to the lesson, and hopefully it's helpful. Mark 14, 43 through 50. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I asked, what are your initial thoughts? And one of the men in the nursing home brought up the naked young man at the end. And that's when I began recording. So here's the rest of this lesson. Enjoy. To include the naked young man running away. Um, yeah, I'm glad you noticed that because I did make a note about that toward the end. We'll bring that up. What else? Any other thoughts? towards you and that outnumbers probably the the 11 disciples right i'm sure there were more than uh, 11 people in this group of, with uh, soldiers and uh, other people mm-hmm. uh, so i think they were apprehensive of knowing uh and i think they i guess they probably knew who the betrayer was now Mm-hmm. because he had left the meal he said one of you who is sitting with me will betray me and the other uh, remaining ones uh, knew that, uh, probably who it was by now that's right good memory Bob yeah yeah I'll go ahead can you say that one more time Who is an angel? Javon said that the young man following was an angel. Oh, interesting. I didn't read that theory anywhere, but that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's look at it. Um, Here we have the legendary moment where Jesus is betrayed and the passion narrative begins with him being arrested 
and he'll soon be tried, beaten, tortured, and eventually crucified. So we have to ask the question, why was Jesus betrayed with a kiss? Over the course of his crucifixion, we'll see that Jesus is mocked in basically every possible way. He's mocked as a lover or a friend, as Judas betrays him with a kiss, which is normally a sign of love and affection, and then, soon after, all of his disciples leave him. He's mocked as their teacher or rabbi, as that's what Judas calls him before kissing him. So he addressed him with a, a term of respect, but obviously it's somewhat ironic and mocking, since that's the signal um, to the Romans for who they need to arrest. He's mocked as a ruler, as the Romans eventually put a sign over his cross that says, King of the Jews. Um, and they also put a crown of thorns on his head, just to further mock him in a way that's um, scornful, and obviously the crown of thorns is incredibly painful. Um, and the symbol of the kiss echoes the Old Testament, where the king was anointed with oil and kissed by the prophet to mark his kingship. So when da King David or King Saul or Solomon were um, anointed as king, they'd pour oil over their head and then kiss them on the cheek as part of the anointing ceremony. So in this way, Judas was simultaneously calling Jesus his teacher and king while betraying him. So in some way, it kind of adds to the mockery of Jesus of saying like, yeah, you're my king, you're my teacher, but I'm going to use these symbols, which are very respectful traditionally, to actually betray you and do a really terrible thing to you. That's kind of what we see over and over again throughout this passion narrative of Jesus's rejection and, and torture. disciples and I don't suspect that everybody knew who's coming after him knew that person's the one we want mm -hmm. to uh, carry away um, so by Judas coming and giving the kiss definitely pointed to which person they were to uh, arrest yeah exactly because remember yeah they didn't have like pictures back then um you couldn't get your portrait painted even like they would have no way of knowing what someone looked like so that's why judas obviously had to like say this is the one that we want um and of course moments later all of jesus's disciples abandoned him and as we'll see we all probably are familiar with the story of um, peter betraying jesus by saying i don't know him i've never seen him before um, so even behind Jesus' back, Peter is betraying him as well. So Jesus felt utter abandonment from all of his friends. I was thinking a lot about the idea of betrayal by kiss and realized that it can be any of us. It speaks a lot to two things. Our heart posture, in other words, our true intentions, our true motives. And the second thing we'll highlight, which is more important, is Jesus's response. So first, Judas was doing two respectful, loving things to Jesus. He called him by his respectful title of teacher and then kissed him. Obviously, these are both outwardly loving and respectful. 
if you see someone kiss someone on the cheek, you don't think, oh, what a terrible person. <laughs> you think, oh, that person really loves that person. They're being loving, caring, respectful for them. Same with calling him rabbi, right? If you go up to someone, you call him teacher, pastor, shepherd, doctor. You know, these are terms of respect. These show that we respect the person we're talking to. So those are both outwardly loving and respectful actions. But where was Judas's heart? It was not to serve, respect, or love Jesus, but to get money. As you'll recall, Judas agreed to hand Jesus over to the Jewish and Roman authorities for 30 pieces of silver. His outward actions were a very thin mask Judas wore to hide his true intentions. We can all be the same way. We may say nice things about Jesus. We can excuse me, we can show up to church every week, etc. These are all good things and They're all things which can make us look like good followers of Jesus on the outside. But the question is, do our outer actions match our inner intentions? In other words, do your motives match your mask? Are you you like Judas, merely doing those good things in attempt to look good and get away with a sneaky crime? Right? Any of us could do this. We kiss Jesus on the face, but our hearts are doing something entirely different. As I was writing this, I was thinking of how many times I do this regularly. I can go to church, I can speak, I can um, even lead a Bible study like this one, and I can look like a really good Christian, like I'm kissing Jesus on the cheek. Meanwhile, my heart desires other things way more. I'm always chasing after other things with my heart. But now let's look at Jesus' response. And this is the more important, way cooler, way better part of this message. Did Jesus ever condemn Judas or tell him that he would never be forgiven? No, he didn't. We find out later that Judas was so consumed by guilt and shame that he killed himself by hanging himself from a tree. But it was not Jesus who made him do this. It was Judas' own shame. We get to ask ourselves the same question. When we mess up, when we betray Jesus, even if we seem to love him on the outside like Judas, the cruelest kind of betrayal, do we go off and destroy ourselves with guilt and shame? Or do we return to Jesus and seek forgiveness? I've often wondered what would have happened if if Judas hadn't killed himself, but had come back to seek reconciliation with Jesus. Would Jesus have forgiven him or sent him away? I tend to think Jesus would welcome Judas back with open arms. Why do I think this? Because each and every one of us is Judas. We are always wearing a smiling, kissing mask, But often our intentions behind the scenes are greedy, lustful, prideful, and so on. If Jesus can forgive us, he certainly would have forgiven Judas as well. We are all betrayers of God. But the question is, will you respond like Judas and run from him? Or will you respond like Peter, who we'll talk about in a few weeks, and return to Jesus? 
begging to be forgiven and welcomed back, to whom Jesus says, yes. Remember, I don't know if you'll remember, but there's this scene where Jesus welcomes Peter back into the disciples, and three times he forgives them. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And he says, feed my sheep. Three times he says that. And we think that he says that to kind of undo the three times that Peter betrayed him. So with Peter and Judas, we see the example of guilt, of doing something wrong, but then confessing it and returning to Jesus in the case of Peter. Whereas with Judas, he did something wrong. He also betrayed Jesus, but then he couldn't bring himself to face Jesus again. So instead he went off and hung himself. Judas was not the only disciple to abandon Jesus. After he was arrested, all of his disciples left him. Thus the suffering of Jesus began. It was not merely a physical pain he endured, but the pain of all of his close friends and followers leaving him. There's also the odd mention at the end of the chapter of the naked young man. After looking this up, I found out there's plenty of speculation as to who this young man was and why he was included. The truth is, we don't know either of those things. None of the other Gospels mention him. Only Mark mentions this weird young man running away naked during this scene. This has led some people to think that the young man was Mark, the author of the Gospel, and he was confessing that he too abandoned Jesus and his intentions were stripped naked at this moment. Maybe the young man is representative of all of us who flee naked from God, echoing back to Adam and Eve. Remember how when Adam and Eve realized they were naked when they had sinned, what did they do? They ran away naked from God. So who knows why Mark included this little detail of a naked man fleeing the scene. It's kind of funny to think about this naked guy running away in the garden in front of all these soldiers. But at the same time, it's also very human um, to say, like, he was so scared, he ran away naked. He was fully exposed. Um, in some ways, maybe he was like Judas, that he, um, his intentions, his motives were laid bare as he was fleeing from God, right? Um, but yeah, none of, there was no consensus in all the articles I read about it, so... So I don't know why there was a, na a naked young man in the garden there. Um, so may we be more like Peter, who did betray Jesus, but returned to be reconciled to him. And may we not be like Judas, who did betray Jesus, but then couldn't bring himself to face Jesus again, and instead went to his own death. Any other final thoughts or questions or anything on this passage? It comes to mind that uh, one of the disciples was with Mary at the site of the uh, crucifixion. Mm -hmm. He was trying to comfort, and uh, I think there was some exchange of, between uh, John and Jesus about yep. the mother, if I remember right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary and John show up at the foot of the cross and Jesus basically says, here's your new mother and here's your new son and take care of each other from now on. So, yeah. 
Yeah, in this moment in the garden, it says they all abandoned him. But then it seems like John must have come back to him when he was on the cross. So, yeah. Good memory, Bob. Anything else? All right, let's move on to some prayer requests then. Oh, well, one thing we it didn't get mentioned, uh, which may be uh, uh, any significance, Peter uh, drawing his sword and uh, cutting off the ear. Yeah, yeah, good catch, Bob. Um, yeah, I did forget to write about that, but that's a very important part. Did you want to say anything about that? Should we discuss it? Oh, I, I remember that uh, Jesus made a special effort to rectify that situation and correct him. Mm -hmm. uh, the ear was uh, re essentially reattached to the victim. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the exchange of the words exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, what was said, it may have been that it the other Gospels that may have been mentioned more. Yeah, it must have been the other Gospels. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, Mark did not name Peter as the person who did it, but the other Gospel does. Um, and Jesus says, like, basically he says something like, this isn't how we win. We don't win with swords. Um, and then he reattaches the person's ear by touching it. Yeah. He's talking about being in a peaceful confrontation. Mm -hmm. Which is mentioned in this gospel here. Right, yeah. It's kind of like highlighting the entire way that Jesus went about his um, his work, right? Jesus didn't strike back and fight back with violence or take himself down from the cross. Um, he surrendered. He gave himself for his enemies. Yeah. Yeah, good catch, Bob. Thanks for bringing that up again. I forgot. 